Today is the predecessors of Christ in terms of the prophets, the people who were really very vocal, if you will, uh, in proclaiming what was going to come. Next week, we're going to focus on basically Jesus' genealogy, uh, meaning the people that also made up his family, as it were. But here, it's remembering basically all the great prophets from the patriarchs, like Abraham, and so on and so forth, down uh, to this, to the point of the incarnation being manifest and seen in the birth of Jesus. And what they were pointing to, I mean, is the fact of something they didn't fully experience yet. It wouldn't be fully experienced until Jesus would appear. God was there, but a lot of times he was kind of hidden in the background. They knew he was present, but they didn't realize the goal fully that he had in mind to restore paradise, which they had a sense about that. But nonetheless, they still tried to remain faithful to him, even though they didn't understand what the plan, how it was going to be fulfilled. And Today, remember even Daniel, and we all know the story of Daniel and the lion's den, uh, I hope, uh, in that way, where uh, because he wouldn't worship the idols and so forth and uh, so forth, he th he's thrown in with the lions. And, uh, and by the way, th this has happened in a lot of the accounts of the martyrs, by the way, where, where they'd be thrown to the lions and they'd actually you know, starve the animals to make them really hungry. And um, these are actually historical accounts of eyewitnesses who saw that the lions <laughs> wound up just rubbing against uh, the Christians who were like, uh, like y your cat would type of thing, which frustrated, of course, the authorities, and then they would execute them in another manner. So this tended to happen uh, from time to time with the Christians. So this is not unusual, this idea of what happened with Daniel. And the point is maintaining his, he, that he maintained his faith. He maintained his faith. And then you have with, connected with him the uh, three young men who, when uh, an idol was built, uh, and this was done with, with, through many points of history with the Jews, where people would try to stop them or hinder their, their faith in God and they hinder their worship and so on and so forth. And uh, so they had this thing when the, when the horn would blow, kind of like the way uh, with Islam when they, the call to prayer takes place loudly. Everybody's supposed to stop if you're Muslim and, and, and pray. Well, that's the situation here, of course, like we know. And, uh, but the three young men wouldn't do it because they wouldn't pray to the idol. And so they were arrested, and the sentence pronounced on them was they were to be burned alive, and so forth. And there's a phenomenal prayer that we have uh, that, talk, that as they're praying, and they're saying to the king, you know, even if God, God can deliver us if he wants to, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to uh, be unfaithful to him. And so what has brought us to the Incarnation is a string and generations of people who remain faithful even in the face of great odds and difficulty. And uh, I think that as we celebrate the Christmas season, there's a pro and a con to it. And we know this, that people who struggle with depression a lot of times, this is a very difficult time of the year. You know, whether there's tragedies in the past or what have you that exacerbate these feelings 
of loss and so on and so forth, whatever it is. And I think we want to think that Christmas is always whoopee, 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 which, I mean, there's good parts to it, don't get me wrong. And there's some great things and great memories you can have. But for some people, it gets clouded by other things in that way. And this is true in the story of Jesus and his birth, as we're going to see, because Matthew records, of course, uh, the famous coming of the, of the wise men, which is a pointing to the fact that Gentiles now already coming to acknowledge uh, Jesus and so forth. But what happens, as you know, uh, with the wise men, the Magi, is they had gone to Herod because they thought that the uh, astrology at the time was saying there was a king born of Israel. So they were not to go, of course, was to the, the local king, which was Herod. And Herod was upset when he heard there was another king being born. He was, we know this historically, he was easily threatened. He killed many of his own family members uh, when he thought they were a threat. And so the story of, of Jesus is not only the, the, you know, the magi coming to the house, gold, frankincense, myrrh, this wonderful story of them worshiping uh, God in the flesh. But then they go back to their own homeland. They go, don't go back to Herod. And Herod becomes crazy with paranoia and orders that all the male children from two years old and, and down uh, are to be executed. And you think, this is a Christmas story. <laughs> and the point is that this time and the times that we go through are, are laced with difficulties. And there's the good and the bad. There's a mix. And the fact that celebrating this, the idea of it, is a challenge. And not just because we're trying to get decorations and get together with family members and friends and so on and so forth, but the fact that God comes into the middle of the mess of this world. And I think that's the thing with, with what we're seeing with the birth of Jesus, God comes, and he comes in the form of a, a frail newborn infant. You know, he should come, you know, on the horse right away now and beat up the enemies of the, God's people and, you know, bust up Herod before he can hurt the other children and so on and so forth. But it doesn't work like that until finally the end when every, he comes to finish what he started. That in the process, what, what it is going on is Christ appears in order for us to see how and who it is we're going to partner with. And I say that, too, because a lot of times we think of church as being the place that everything's perfect. You know, if we're there, everybody's marriage is perfect, your kids are perfect, uh, your, your job is going well, your health is etc., etc., you're never going to get sick as if that's a reality and so forth. But it's into this that God comes and invites us to partner with him because he's taken on our frailties. He's taken on our human reality into himself. And that's what really what we're celebrating with this season of Epiphany that begins with the birth of Jesus. And, and then it's completed, if you will, with the story of the baptism that God has immersed himself in all that is human including our limitations, our brokenness, our fragility, our mortality, if you will, and so forth, while remaining everything that he ultimately was, but fully and organically being, you know, immersed in us. Because healing comes from the inside out, not from the outside in. Like the Virgin Mary being the image of what it means to be a Christian, 
Christ comes from within. Christ comes to her, actually, from without, as it were, but he comes then into her, and she experiences him from within. And sometimes what that means is the, that the outer situations are not the way we'd like them to be. They're not the way we'd like them to be. Because things have begun, but they're not quite complete. They're on the way. It's like, we know this for any of us who have children, you know, in the beginning it's, ooh, ah, they're cute, they're great, they're this, that, the other thing. And then they start having their own opinions <laughs> and their own direction and, and so forth. Uh, we know this, right? That uh, when they're little, they love us, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Then they, the teenage years, and it's like, you know, my parents are weird, you know, and things like that. And it's not till they get into the real adulthood after a while that they realize that we're neither gods and we're not really that weird, but we're just human. And the incarnation's power is about what it means to be human, which means God is with us right here in our frailties, in our limitations, in our shortcomings, and everything else. And he still comes to be part of our life. And yes, it's like one minute we see the greatness and the love and everything, and then an hour later you can see the, the difficulties and darkness in the, in the world of humanity that can't love each other and accept each other for who we are. And even, I mentioned, because today's also the feast of St. Dionysius of Zakynthos, uh, who I love a great deal. Uh, he wasn't Greek in his origin. He was actually a mix of Italian and German background. Uh, but anyway, St. Dionysius lived in the 17th century, phenomenal bishop, a very godly man, uh, and so forth. Um, he only was a bishop for a year. He, he, it was very difficult for him. I think there's a few great saints who struggled with depression and so forth, and it was hard for them to try to be in these full-time positions. So he, he retired after a year, but the thing was, miracles happened around him while he was alive. But he gets old, and he passes away. Now, there is something in orthodoxy, I don't know how many of you know this, uh, about we have relics, and even have some of the saints who have died, and they're pretty much, their bodies are somewhat intact, if you will. But the wild part is with, like, Dionysius, St. Gerasimus uh, of Kefalonia is like this, St. Spiridon is like this, where people have come and the, the coffin will be empty and the saint will be seen not looking like a zombie, of course, but they see him in what would be his resurrected state, walking around. Even to the point of uh, the abbot of the monastery where Dionysius retired to and then uh, passed away and his, his, his relics are there, uh, one night woke up and heard uh, a service going on in the, in the main church, and he was blown away. Who, who would schedule a, church, a service and nobody told him? And he runs down to the church and walks in, and there's St. Dionysius celebrating the liturgy, not looking like something out of the thriller uh, music video, but fully intact. And what appears to be other people around that this guy's never seen before, the, the abbot, 
including some beings that are at the altar with St. Dionysius that he realized later were like angelic beings. And as he leaves the church, <laughs> the coffin's empty. And they actually do, this is kind of wild, they, they actually will change the shoes on the corpse and they will find that the shoes get worn. Okay? And it's, it's a pretty amazing kind of phenomenon. I mean, this has been recorded, documented. St. Spiridon, St. Yerasimo, the same kind of thing. And the fact that they, they appear, the coffin will be empty, but then the next day you go and there's the corpse back in, its co in the coffin. The fact that there are flashes, flashes. God gives us these amazing flashes of light to say, look, I'm here. I'm here. I know it feels dark and seems to be dark, but I'm here. I'm here. Things like when an icon, you know, starts streaming myrrh and so forth. I'm here. And, and healings and other things will happen. Other prayers get answered. Every prayer gets answered, ultimately, as we know, though not always in the timing we want. And that's okay. God still hears it. And he wants us to partner with him to, to pray. But then going back to the banquet, it's, it's again, who's the, who are the people that accept the invitation? And I think that's one of the things is we're the people that say that no matter how dark it gets, no matter how difficult it gets, we're going to stay faithful to you because I know you're here. I don't always feel you the way I'd like, but you're here. And with that, I, and I, I think it's important to know this, uh, the reading of the gospel today, what precedes it, which I actually, if I had my, um, my cell phone here, I would have had the whole piece. Jesus actually turns, is saying to the people about inviting people into your homes, those who are in need, those who can't pay you back. Because that's the way God is. God comes to us and gives us of himself, even though we can never, ever begin to pay him back for what he does and how he loves us and how he brings us into his life. And all that to say that in the middle of this, no matter how difficult things are, is the reality of God in the kingdom that's begun through Jesus. It's here. It's happening. It's happening. And church is the place that we get the taste of that. Church is the place that we come together and we become in touch with. With all that goes on in worship and us being together. Becoming, to be assembled like, a, like the way a model plane is assembled. To be assembled to be the body of Jesus. To be seen, shown, and manifest as the body of Jesus as much as God was seen and shown when he's birthed out of the womb of the Virgin Mary. So may God have mercy on us when we get blinded and forget that we're loved. And nonetheless, he never stops loving us. Let us be thankful for the people who lived without seeing the full reality yet, and we are now in the wake of those who have seen and know that the full reality is in place. It's just advancing, advancing to be brought to completion. And that we're a church that understands that 
<laughs> it's not for the perfect. The perfect make excuses because they don't feel they need this. Because um, the things that, the excuses that they make, they're not bad things. God never says, don't do that. Don't buy property. Don't get married. And any of that. That's silliness to assume that. But what he's saying is, for the people that make that as an excuse not to come and be with Christ. It's an excuse. You hear what I'm saying? It's like the workaholic who's, who works longer hours because they're afraid to go home and deal with issues. Not bad to work or to work well, but we make excuses. But there's a, just to say that, like, like the story of St. Dionysius now, and all these other things that happen that show the supernatural reality is connected to our natural life is seeded into us now. And, and they, we're going to celebrate God manifesting himself in a stable. <laughs> not in a big cathedral, not in a big you know, hall or stadium or anything like that, but in a stable. And that he comes to us and invites us into, into the, within the stable of our own life, within the parts that don't always smell good or look good, and everyone else, and invites all of us and others as well into that. So, amen. One quick thing I want to mention is, uh, this actually was recorded, apparently a few weeks ago, uh, a church was having a new pastor come. And uh, they never, most of the people never met him before. He dressed up as a homeless person and went to his church to see what would happen. They were trying to get him to get out. They were trying to get him to get out. We'll call the police if you don't go, blah, 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 and so forth. Jesus invites the people who know they need him. So may God bless us and may we never, ever, ever turn him away or turn those away that God brings to us. <laughs>